Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 141 of The Raw Verdict, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's flagship show, Monday Night Raw. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 141 of WrestleTopia gets underway. Happy Tuesday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AEW gets underway. And last night was Monday Night Raw going down live from the XL Energy Center in St. Paul, Minnesota. And we are about four days away from Extreme Rules going down live from the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And it promises to be a stacked show, all steps, all night long, and you gotta love it. And I thought that last night's show was a nice way to set up the key matches for the PLE going down this weekend. Some good promo work from Seth Rollins, Matt Riddle, Bianca Belair, and Bailey in particular as they hyped up their matches for the pay-per-view going down this weekend in Philly. But let's kick things off with Judgment Day's Rhea Ripley, Damian Priest, Finn Balor, and Dominic Mysterio. As Finn Balor mentioned, the injury that took out Edge 11 years ago, the severe neck injury, the triple fusion surgery to keep Edge on the shelf for nine years, comes back and revitalizes his career. But Finn Balor says he will quit on Saturday. We will make him quit. He would do the thing he thought he would never do, and that is give up in the middle of this ring. Damian Priest and Rhea Ripley exits on as well. But for me, the sore spot was Dominic Mysterio because he has a hard time keeping a straight face when the fans chant, who's your daddy? And they answer Eddie Guerrero. And it's a fun joke from 15, 16, 17 years ago regarding the custody of Dominic Mysterio in that epic ladder match at SummerSlam 2005. It was a great storyline on SmackDown at the time. Eddie and Ray put their heart and soul in that performance. And Dom was really good as the kid that was torn between two dads. But he picked Ray because Eddie in storyline was an asshole. And the fans remember that fondly. But in 2022, you're trying to get heel heat. And I can forgive the reaction at the Shark Tank in San Jose a couple of weeks ago when they booed his ass out of the building and everybody kind of cracked up and said, damn, dude, you are hated here. But last night, you got to really rein in those smiles and that tongue-in-cheek thing and go in on your dad. And that is a way to get that heel heat for the future. Now, when he intimidates Ray and begs him to hit him, that's where the good stuff comes in. But for the promos and the ring, he's got to really control his face from cracking. I know that the chance can be funny sometimes, but your role is to be a snot-punk asshole right now alongside Rhea Ripley play that role a bit better, and then this angle will work long-term. So this leads to Judgment Day's Finn Balor and Damian Priest versus AJ Styles and Rey Mysterio. And this is basically a backdrop to Rey and Dominic Mysterio's dynamic once again as Dom begs his dad to hit him. He gets on his hands and knees once again. Hit me, dad. I know you want to. He refuses to do so. And in the middle of the ring, AJ lands a double DDT spot on Damian Priest and Finn Balor because he's beat up for the majority of this match. So this distraction leads to Rhea landing a clothesline on Ray behind the referee's back on the outside. AJ goes for a tag. Ray's nowhere to be found. Finn lands a shotgun dropkick to AJ in the corner. Lands a coup de gras for the win after the match is over. Ray and AJ get into it. AJ says, it's your fault. Where were you when I needed you? And he shoves Ray down. Ray backs away. And AJ gets swarmed by Judgment Day as Finn, Damian Priest, and Dominic put the boots to him. But Finn says, I'm still your friend. I don't want to hurt you, but if I have to, I will. As he mentioned in his promo as well. We go back to the Bullet Club, dude. I got love for you, but don't keep pushing me because I won't be so nice the next time. So we'll see where this storyline goes. I would love to see AJ join Judgment Day, but at the same time, AJ needs friends. And right now, Ray isn't reliable due to his son egging him on for a fight. At some point, Ray will crack and he will beat his son's ass and that would be a glorious day 
in WWE indeed. Next up is Bobby Lashley versus Mustafa Ali. And Mustafa wants an opportunity to face Bobby for the championship. Even got in Bobby's face, grabbed him and says, I want a match right then and there. I'm not waiting anymore. I'm tired of waiting. And Bobby agrees to have a match. And it's fairly one-sided as Mustafa goes for a running drop kick in the corner. He misses and Bobby proceeds to up his ass. Ragdoll, power slams, clotheslines. He is going off on Mustafa Ali. Ali has one hope spot when he lands a 450 splash on the left shoulder of Bobby Lashley. And Bobby selling the shoulder for a bit. Ali lands a tornado DDT on Bobby as well, followed by a tope on the outside. But Bobby recovers, lands a spine buster and the dominator for a near fall. And Ali slaps Bobby Lashley because he won't go down without a fight. So Bobby grabs Mustafa Ali, slams him not once but twice into the ring post in a very rough way, then throws him over the barricade to say, I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to give you mercy by letting you take this kind of loss. Mustafa Ali gets back in the ring to continue this fight. He will not give up. So Bobby spears him, cuts him in half, great sell job. At one point, Bobby rocks Mustafa with a clothesline that turns him inside out as well. So he's turned inside out twice during this matchup. And then ultimately, Bobby yanks him up in the hurt lock. And Mustafa Ali does not submit. He passes out. He refuses to give up as Bobby gets to win in the end. And I thought this was a nice showcase for Mustafa Ali as a fighting baby face who is trying to prove a point. He deserves a shot to be a star, to be a champion in WWE. I have been saying this for a very long time. I hope there's follow-up to this because I don't want this to be a one-week blimp on the radar and we forget about it. This should be a story built up over months of Mustafa Ali trying to find his way to the top of this Raw men's division, to find a championship path some way, somehow. I hope it happens for him. He's charismatic. He's talented, highly creative. It's time to put all those talents to good use. I'm praying that Triple H sees this and he's starting a push with Mustafa Ali very, very soon. In the meantime, Seth Rollins proceeds to curb stomp Bobby Lashley twice. The second time against the U.S. title belt, which had to hurt. Then he curb stomps Ali for the hell of it, leading into a face-to-face confrontation between himself and Matt Riddle following this matchup. And Rollins is trying to goad Riddle into a fight prior to their fight pit match. Because if Riddle initiates contact, the match is off. And Riddle comes out and he lets Seth know that you're not experienced in a fight pit match. I know what it's like to be in a fight pit. I won the first one on NXT over two years ago. So I know what it's like to grind out a win via knockout or submission. So I got this. And when it's all said and done, they'll be singing bro to the tune of your theme song. And we got the bro, bro. I'm not going to harmonize because I can't sing worth the shit. So Seth says, oh, you have a nice singing voice, Riddle. Do you sing to your kids before they go to bed at night? Oh, wait. You don't get to see your kids anymore. And you really need this match because you have to pay child support, don't you? And the fans ooh and ah at that line because it's so shady. But Riddle maintains his composure, does not lay a hit on Rollins, but he gets personal too. Saying, let me ask you a question, Seth. When was the last time you won a championship in WWE? The fans said, hmm, gotcha there. Here's another question. The last time you had a shot at a championship, Roman Reigns choked your ass out at the Royal Rumble. And the fans, ooh, at that fact. And then he goes in for the kill shot, saying, hey, Seth, when was the last time you main evented WrestleMania? Oh, wait, you've never main evented WrestleMania, but Becky has. 
And the fans really ooh and at that. And to be fair, Seth did main event WrestleMania 31 by shoehorning his way into Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship by cashing in his Money in the Bank briefcase to complete what Michael Cole calls the heist of the century. I do love that tagline. So Riddle says, you come second best to Roman Reigns, your wife, and after Saturday, you're becoming second to me because I'm either knock you out or tap you out inside that fight pit. And as they continue their beef, the all-time great UFC fighter and Hall of Famer Daniel Cormier appears on the big screen. Let him know that I'm going to be a part of this match as well as your special guest referee to keep things under control. He notes his background with Matt Riddle from their days in UFC, and he respects Rollins a lot as a performer, but he is not going to show favoritism. He's going to call it down the middle. He's going to keep things under control and may the best man win. He goes off screen, and Riddle and Rollins will go face-to-face, and Rollins knocks Riddle's head off his head as one Last act of try something and you get this match tossed at the pay-per-view. Riddle does not blink or flinch to wrap up this segment. Really good stuff from Riddle and Rollins on the mic to sell this match, which could main event the show on Saturday. But I got a feeling that our main event angle will be the main event, but you should never know until WWE lays out the show come this weekend. Next up is Candice LeRae versus one half of the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, Dakota Kai. And I thought this match was solid. And the fans got into Candice's offense midway through this match. I love the running back set on to Dakota Kai, courtesy of Candice LeRae. And Dakota Kai was delivering some stiff kicks. The scorpion kick rocked Candice in the corner. But Candice fights back with a second rope German suplex for a very close near fall. She's whooping ass accordingly, doing a nice crossbody dive to Dakota Kai on the outside. But distractions from Bailey and Eo Sky cost Candice LeRae in the end as Bailey trips her off the ropes. And that leads to Dakota Kai rolling up Candice for the tainted victory as damage control stands tall. A theme on this show for Bailey's crew, but I'll get to that shortly as we transition to Johnny Gagano versus Otis from Alpha Academy. And Johnny Gagano fought underneath this entire match as he tried to overpower Otis, who is very hard to overpower due to his size and strength. At one point, Johnny lands a couple of DDTs on Otis in the ring and on the floor. But Austin Theory is at ringside calling the action on guest commentary and Johnny tackles Austin. And that's going to lead to Theory hitting Gagano in the back with his briefcase and that leads to Otis landing the world's strongest slam on Gargano for the win. So Johnny wrestling and Candice Ray, husband and wife duo lost back to back on this night. They'll bounce back, but very interesting booking indeed to maybe prove the triple H ain't playing favorites that his faves can lose sometimes totally understandable to make sure we keep it easy peasy on Monday nights in terms of booking balance. Next up, is Braun Strowman versus Chad Gable. A surprisingly good match. Chad Gable is great. At one point, he delivers a German suplex to Braun Strowman in a sixth spot with the bridge, no less, for a very close near fall. Goes for a dropkick to Rock Strowman as well. Misses a moonsault, and that allows Strowman to fight back and lays him out with a big boot and the powerbomb for the win. A surprisingly good match by both guys. And Strowman, when he's on, he's a really good big hoss. And Chad Gable is exceptional in the ring, and they just flowed really well together. And it should be noted that Omos was watching this match backstage, and they teased this, this battle of the Giants. Omos and Braun Strowman could be happening very soon, possibly at Crown Jewel in Saudi Arabia next month. And I got my money on Braun Strowman winning because he is far better in the ring than Omos. And I have seen Braun have surprisingly 
good matches, if not great matches, against a Big Show during Big Show's last prime years in WWE about five years ago. If he is going to be the anchor in this match against Omos and he pulls off a miracle, give the man a bonus. We shall see how it all plays out in due time. Next up is a contract signing between Bianca Belair and Bayley for the Raw Women's Championship via a ladder match this Saturday at Extreme Rules on Peacock. And I thought this was a really good segment, something that Bayley needed heading into this matchup on Saturday because I hated her promo last week. I meant no words about how much I hated the fact that she said Bianca was the chosen one and I've done this all of my life and blah, blah, blah. I did not give a solitary shit about that promo. And I love Bayley. This promo by her to Bianca was a nice recovery because I saw it happen with my own two eyes. And Bailey says, I picked a ladder match because it speaks to my climb and my struggle to the top in WWE. See, Bianca, I was like you a long time ago. I rocked the ponytail. I was over with the people. They loved me. They wore my t-shirts. They had signs for me. They sang for me. They loved me. But then they turned on me. They betrayed me and I felt it. I went on a slide after that. My career spiraled and so I picked myself up. I realized I didn't need them. I needed myself and then I needed a crew that could see my vision of being champions, of running this division and taking you out in the process. It's a plan one year in the making and I'm damn proud of it. So enjoy this. Enjoy the cheers. Enjoy the love. Enjoy the people cosplaying as you because it won't last because the same exact thing happened to me. And Bianca Belair says, listen, I'm not you. Hell, you can never be me. And the reason why people turned on you, Bailey, is because they could see through you. You didn't evolve because you wasn't being your true self. And when you couldn't get those responses anymore, that's when you showed who you really were. It's not my fault it took you a year to come up with this grand plan to get back in me. But listen, you think surprising me at SummerSlam was original? I've been there, done that last year, and look where I am now. Still champ. How about that? And that would be the same result at Extreme Rules? This weekend, when I climb that ladder, grab my championship and still be the EST of WWE. And Bailey says, well, good luck with that. I'll have my girls in my corner supporting me. Your girls be in your corner. And we cut to the big screen. And EO Sky and Dakota Kai are beating down Alexa Bliss and Asuka backstage. And in a crazy spot, Bailey yanks Bianca by the ponytail. And Bianca flips over the fucking table and Bailey gets a jump on Bianca. It's a hell of a visual. Bianca Belair fights back, is able to run backstage. She's a track star legit, as we all know, and the cameraman has a hard time keeping up with her. It's great. She rushes backstage, and there's a chair wrapped around Asuka's ankle, and Alexa Bliss is steaming, and she wants to face Io Sky in the main event of Monday Night Raw, and Bailey is smiling at her plan coming together in the nick of time. Really good work from Bianca and Bailey, especially Bailey, who needed this performance on a mic to sell this match on Saturday for the Raw Women's Championship via a ladder match. And it came from a real place because we all lived through it as Bailey fans. 2017 was a rough year. Yes, she won the Raw Women's Championship in February 2017 against Charlotte Flair. She had a okay match against WrestleMania, and she retained the championship in a fatal four-way match. Then the feud with Alexa Bliss happened. This is your life happened. It all fucking sucked. She separated her shoulder and got booed in Canada. 
Bailey, the hugger, the lovable babyface that was so over two years prior on NXT delivering a classic against Sasha Banks in Brooklyn for TakeOver gets booed in Canada. Of all places, who is supposed to be really friendly to the lovable babyfaces who are fighting from underneath, and they booed Bailey, who had a legit separated shoulder. Then we fast forward to 2018. She's beefing with Sasha Banks, going to Dr. Shelby, trying to work through their friendship issues. They have matches I don't care about emotionally because it doesn't make sense. Then they reunite, become tag team champs, inaugural women's tag team champs at that lose at WrestleMania to the Iconics and Bailey stalls for a bit. Then she wins Money in the Bank, cashes in on Charlotte Flair, is a champ. So, so run, loses to Charlotte again. Then she cuts her hair, the belly buddies are dead, and she becomes an emo heel for the rest of 2019 heading into early 2020. Pandemic hits, and she has to recalibrate and reinvent herself. The best thing that have happened to her, despite the circumstances of 2020, which absolutely fucking sucked for everybody involved. But as a wrestling fan, it was a blessing to see her and Sasha Banks hit their groove, running all three shows, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, all at the PC or full sale in the span of days, putting in that work as double champions, as Raw, SmackDown, and women's tag team champions. That's what they did. That's what she did as a character that could play off nobody except Michael Cole and the camera people. She did what she needed to do. That was her secret sauce of figuring it out and that's why I love Bailey so much. She figured it out and became a fully realized heel in every way. Her redo with Sasha Banks in 2020 in Hell in a Cell clicked perfectly. The rematch on SmackDown clicked perfectly. Her feud with Bianca Belair was great. I'm still old that I quit match. We're not going to get it right now. We get the ladder match this weekend, which is fine. But with her return over the last couple of months, I just wanted a bit more on the mic. Yes, the faction's booked strongly, but is the faction over with the people? They had their best overall night last night. And I think there's a bit of confusion when you say something on the timeline saying, this isn't working. There's a difference between hot taking and being critical of the presentation of a group that needs more time to cook and manifest. And that was my core issue. Last week, I hated what Bailey had to say. This week, I loved it because I experienced what she went through as a fan. And I was pissed off for a good three years because I know how great she is. And I wanted her to realize that again via the setting when she's around people for the first time in two years. It is jarring when you play to no one and then you got to play to everyone. And then you got to figure out how to find your way again. It is a process. And I do call out people who need time to get it together. I did it with Judgment Day. I do it for damage control. It's coming from a place of love as a fan because I know more can be done. It just needs more finessing. We got the finessing last night. That was needed with good material. Good material, good booking will lead to better segments to get this crew over on Monday nights. We got that last night via multiple segments. I'm very thankful for that. But Bailey's promo work has been the key for me. And she finally gave me what I needed to make this match stand out a bit more heading into Extreme Rules this weekend on Peacock. Next up is Solo Sokoa versus Angelo Dawkins from the Street Profits. We got the entire bloodline minus Roman Reigns on ringside as we got Jimmy and Jey Uso supporting their brother and the honorary Uso, Sami Zayn, providing emotional support as well, which irked Jay. So earlier in the show, we got Sami cracking jokes with Solo and Jimmy and they're laughing and Solo's trying to keep a straight face. He cannot, but Jay rose up and the laughter's done. But... They try to reassert themselves as a unit. They're going to send the message that Roman's coming to Monday Night Raw next week at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. And everyone on this roster 
must acknowledge him, including the street prophets. And Montez Ford, you can acknowledge he's nuts. <laughs> Not so many words. And that leads to Dawkins versus Solo. It should be noted that Montez is wearing a walking boot. I don't know why. I hope he's not seriously hurt for too long because that would suck. He's just so good in the ring, but hopefully this is a minor injury timeout. But let's focus back to Solo versus Angelo. And this was a solid match, but the larger story was the ongoing issues between Jey Uso and Sami Zayn as they were fighting over Solo saying, I know what's best for him. Jey says, I'm his brother. Sami says, I'm the honorary Uso. We are boys too. I got his back. And at one point, Angelo makes a brief comeback with a clothesline, the enziguri, the spitting clothesline in the corner as well, and the silencer. And Solo does fight back with a super kick, and he has the win. He's got a 10-count victory, technically. But Jay and Sammy are fighting on the apron. They're arguing. The referee's distracted, and the referee's late with this count. Solo's pissed. That leads to a flip dive by Dawkins to the Usos on the outside. He knocks out Sammy Zayn. But that distraction gives Solo enough time to recover with a super kick and the spinning Solo for the win. And despite all the argumentation, the bloodline stands tall. But this ongoing beef between Jay and Sammy is going to reach a boiling point very soon as they're fighting over Solo due to Jay saying I'm blood. And Sammy says, hey, my honorary Ooze title holds some weight too. And we'll see how all of this plays out on Friday Night SmackDown and ultimately next Monday on Raw for the season premiere as they will love up on Sami Zayn in Brooklyn. And now it is time for our main event featuring Alexa Bliss versus Io Sky, one half of the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. This match was okay as Alexa delivered several knees to Io Sky for a near fall. Io is going to fight back with double knees in the corner, goes for a moonsault, but she misses as Alexa Bliss lands DDT and Twisted Bliss off the top of rope for the win. But Bailey tracks referee long enough for Bianca Belair to go after Bailey, but Dakota Kai slams Bianca into the still steps. Alexa Bliss wipes out Bailey and Dakota with a cannonball on the outside, but Sky grabs her, lands an air raid crash, followed by the top rope moonsault for the win. After the match is over, Damage Control continues to attack Alexa Bliss. They grab a ladder from underneath the ring to do some serious damage. Bianca Belair tries to make the save, as well as Asuka, who grabs a candlestick to whack Dakota Kai with it, but Io Sky is going to break things up, wipes out Asuka. Bianca tries to fight back once more, but she is overwhelmed by damage control as they beat down everybody as Bailey has rose plants for Alexa Bliss and Bianca Belair and Asuka to wrap up the show with damage control on all sides of the ladder holding championship gold, including Bailey holding up Bianca's Raw Women's Championship. To wrap up the show at the top of the hour, to leave us with a sign of things to come possibly at Extreme Rules on Saturday, this was a good way to end the show. Back-to-back weeks of Bianca Belair getting beat down courtesy of damage control, and now it makes me think about what's going to happen this weekend. When you get beat down back-to-back weeks like this, the champ will most likely retain the championship somehow, some way. Alexa Bliss and Asuka is wiped out. There could be some returns on Saturday to help Bianca Belair in case Damage Control decides to get a little shifty during this latter match. So we'll see how it goes. But this is return season for a lot of people in WWE. Debuts are imminent. Returns are coming as well. And that's very exciting because... Absence makes the heart grow fonder, and this could be a very memorable show when it's all said and done in Philadelphia, PA, on Saturday night. And with that, this wraps up a solid episode of Monday Night Raw, a nice go-home show for Extreme Rules, which could be a show-of-the-year candidate after Clash at the Castle, after 
two strong nights of WrestleMania, after a strong SummerSlam, you do sense WWE's building up to these big shows in a very smart way via TV, not doing too much, giving you just enough to get you through every single week. Morsels of great matches here and there. And the overall sell job is the premium live event where you will see and how they will over deliver when it's all said and done. And I love that as you try to make these B shows stand out just as much as your premier shows, such as the Warrior Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Money in the Bank, and now Survivor Series with that added War Games twist in the next month or so. And with that, this wraps up episode number 141 of The Raw Verdict, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's flagship show, Monday Night Raw. I hope you enjoyed it as always. You can follow me on social media at LadyRestingX on Twitter and on Instagram at Restoptopia. They can find me tweeting and gramming about these podcast shows that drop on the Semi Daily Recapping Monday Night Raw, NXT, AEW Dynamite, Friday Night SmackDown on Fox, and AEW Rampage on TNT. You know what to do, search Wrestletopia and follow me on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn plus Amazon Alexa, and Spotify. I'll be back tomorrow morning with episode number 89 of the NXT Nightcap, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's revamped development of brand. Until then, enjoy your Tuesday. Stay safe out there and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care.